Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. My question is about the cycle of abuse, verbal, emotional, psychological abuse. Are the good parts of the cycle an illusion or are the positive parts the kind of life I may hope to have with my husband now that he's finally in a true recovery program? Should I hope or expect the abusive behaviors to stop? Um, well, I guess, Tammy, and I'm going to throw this to you first, but I wonder, I'm not sure what this person means by... Well, they don't mean physical abuse, right? So talking verbal, emotional, psychological. Yeah, it says verbal, emotional, and psychological abuse, which, which are sounds like I mean, lying, manipulating. Death, yeah, and lying, manipulating, gaslighting. Yeah. Okay. So um, the answer is yes. I think that if somebody's working on their recovery, they have a responsibility to treat people kindly, and and they really have responsibility, especially if this person has hurt you, to do what he can to not hurt you anymore. So absolutely, you should be able to expect that he's not going to be hurtful to you. But part of the thing is, how do you handle it? You know, do you know how to set boundaries? Do you know how to take care of yourself and say, I need a break, I need to get away from you? Or even to say, I, I don't like hearing this, and I'm just going to go in the other room. I mean, how do you take care of yourself? Because you may never be able to, I, I hope you can, but you may never be able to get him to be less abusive. What you can get is you can take care of yourself and make sure nothing ha bad happens to you. The other question is, um, are the good parts of the cycle an illusion? So I think I have to say a little bit about the cycle of abuse and what it is. Please. Is that, um, and I'm going to get pieces wrong and you can help me, Tammy, but it basically goes like this. Um, you're not meeting my needs. You're not good enough. I really am angry at you. And then I hit you or I get really, really abusive, and then I feel bad about it. And so then I go back, and I'm so, so sorry, and I didn't mean it, and then I turn around and I try to romance you and do really nice things for you and make you feel better, and then I move into, but, I, you know, but you're fat and ugly, and then it goes round and round. So do I mean it when I say you're lovely and I love you? And yes, of course I do, but why? You know, why am I saying that is more the question. Do I genuinely look at you and say, God, I love you so much? Or do I think, God, I feel so awful about how I acted and she's been so nice today. I need to let her know. I think the motivations are different. But Tammy, what do you want to toss into here? No, I think that that's really important to understand where it's coming from. And and they're both on, on one side of the spectrum or the other. And the middle is what we strive for in recovery. And But I loved what Dr. Rob started off with of like you setting healthy boundaries and being able to say, and I would, I would highly encourage not when it's in the negative phase of the cycle, but to have a, the discussion about when this happens, I'm going to extricate myself. I'm going to go in the other room or I'm going to ask you to go in another room or call your sponsor or whatever. But we're going to have a plan about, you know, because this isn't OK. And then hopefully your person who's now in recovery is going to go, oh, you know, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really doing this recovery thing. Well, I need to go talk, talk to my sponsors and if they're really doing recovery well, they're going to come back and make an amends. And amends isn't going to be that romancing and, you know, just to get them out of it's from a real place of like, I messed up. I'm going to work really hard on not doing that again. And here's how I'm going to be accountable for it. You know, not a hundred percent perfect, you know, obviously human nature, but, but it, you know, I'm sorry, or the romancing 
the motive, the motivation of, I feel bad about me. So I'm going to be nice to you. It's, it's, you know, narcissistic. Well, yeah. And, and the abuse is from, I feel bad about me. So I'm going to make you feel bad. So both of them come from the same place and really don't serve you or the relationship. Well, so healthy boundaries for you. Please. Just to add a couple of things is that um, please don't discuss the need for boundaries or separation or space when the anger is going on. Correct. Because no one can hear that and you're going to escalate the problem. If when things are good, you say, you know what, when we're getting upset, why don't we just try this out and maybe even practice? Like I'm going to go in the other room. I'll come back in 10 minutes. You know, I'm coming back. So just really working on it before it's at the height of the problem. Yes. And there's something else I want to say, which I tell me, you know, in all of this years of doing this work, I don't think I, until I got to seeking integrity, I really, really understood how abusive the men that I work with are. You know, I've been so, they are so focused on sexual behavior and they're so focused on cheating and the lying and their partners um, hurt to try to fix it and make it all better. But I constantly hear spouses say, you know, he's raging at me. He's devaluing what I have to say. He's throwing plates at the wall. He's yelling at the kids, you know. And so it, it seems to be typical in my experience for many, many addicts, especially sex addicts. And, and what I wrote about this is I don't think they know. Because when I read your letters, because we do this at Integrity, you guys send us a letter about your experience and we read it. And the guys are like, I, I do that? That's abuse? I pressure her into sex? You know, stuff like that. And they honestly don't, I'm not giving them an excuse. It's just they, they don't get it. They don't even see. And then they hear you nagging and complaining and they think, well, there she goes again. And then they don't ever really hear you. So, um, And it's yeah. not that you're nagging and complaining. It's that's how it's. It, that's how it's taken in or not taken in. It's pushing out. Again, it's a deflection. I don't want to deal with me. I'm going to, oh, you're just nagging and, you know, it's you. So so let's keep moving. We have a lot of questions. I know we have a lot. Okay, so the next one. In a relationship for 30 years, 24 of them married. Spouse is recovering drug, meth, addict, alcoholic. He did not work any program. He has had two relapses with pot in the last 10 years, and both times he concealed use until discovered after six months. Strained the relationship considerably. Last year, discovered porn masturbation habit. 10 days ago, discovered husband has been soliciting sex at erotic massage parlors two to three times per month, and that he has been doing so for over 30 years, exclamation point. I never had a clue he was... As he is self-employed contractor with right. flexible hours with a business account, so I do not have access to, and he uses cash only. If involvement goes beyond happy ending, as he has engaged in full-on sexual activity with the exception of intercourse, so he says. Okay, hold on. I'm heart. Okay, one second. He's lying, just to be sure. Yes, I, He's yes. lying. Yes, I am heartbroken and devastated at this discovery. He says he goes for the intimacy as this as the providers make him feel cared for at this moment he is only willing to manage his own sexual sobriety solo by avoiding any massage parlors legit or i don't know so the question here is tammy what is the actual question i'm trying to read i i have a feeling it's a continued one and i don't know which one it's continued so Okay. So, well, so let's I just yeah. say, I'm one of the things that I, your, your husband has what we call an attic job, which is he decides where he goes. Nobody knows where he is. He can come and go and say, I'm at lunch. And, you know, there's no one to watch him. There's no one to observe and no one he really has to report to except by phone. So it's the perfect job for him to go around and do whatever he wants and have you not know about it. Um, I can't tell you how, how very sad I am that this isn't going on for such a long time and how, 
deeply wounded and overwhelmed, I would feel if I were you. And, you know, what I see some things here is looking for an answer. It feels a little bit like looking for an answer. And it seems like it's way too soon for that. Um, there are no answers as long as he is not willing to really take responsibility. And, and there's something else she wrote. Oh, the intimacy. So what sex workers will say is many, many men go, in fact, most of the men will go there not just for sex, but to feel heard. And they go to get comfort and they go to get supported and they go for all this kind of stuff. By the way, it's a lot easier to be intimate and open up to a stranger than it is actually to be intimate and be open with you. Because you can hurt him, you can disappoint him, you can get angry at him. This person he's paying, you know, doesn't really affect him like that. He has yeah. control. It's transactional. So, yeah. Right. And I think, I know Tammy's going to want to go after this, but I just want to say that there is no way to manage your sobriety solo. It's a solo problem. To fix it requires community and connection. And this feels like a lot of manipulation to me. Like, I'm going to decide how I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you to not, I'm, I'm, you know, all of that. By the way, I don't know how much, how many resources you have, but one of the things that I think about in this situation is do you have kids? Did they have a college fund? You know, was there money that could have been spent on his family? Um, do you have spiritual religious beliefs? Could he have tithed? that money, you know? So I, when someone says 30 years of behavior, I think, I, unfortunately, I think they spent a fortune that could have been with their family on this situation. And then they never told you. So anyway, go ahead, Tammy. Well, and, and I have a lot because, you know, he's lying to himself and you when he says it was intimate, that that is not, that's transactional and he's paying for services and I, they're customer service related. So like they are going to, you know, they're going to make him, you know, feel heard. Um, I get really um, troubled by the, he says he goes for intimacy, but, but at this moment he is only willing, he's, he's only willing, which to me means I'm not willing to work on my relationship. I'm not willing to work on myself. I'm again, like Dr. Rob just said with the employment and everything, I'm going to tell you what I'm willing to do. He's got a really, this is co-occurring. He's never been really in recovery because he was using other things. So he stopped one form of acting out, but he was doing other things, you right. know? So, so he's never had any kind of sobriety. He's had abstinence from, you know, from meth. He's had abstinence from alcohol. He's had periods of time when he's been abstinent from, you know, cannabis or whatever, like you pick the thing. But this whole time he's been going to the massage parlors, this whole time he's, you know, massage or the porn and masturbation. So, so he's using something and who knows what else he's, you know, I'm gaming and gambling. I mean, who knows? Well, it doesn't matter. It's all problematic behavior. So as we said with the first uh, question, what healthy boundaries do you need to set for you for your safety, financial, emotional? I mean, and I mean, please go get an STD test for you um, uh, as well, because, you know, uh, I mean, this is problematic. So but what healthy boundary, you know, he, he may need to move out of the house. It may be a therapeutic separation within the home. I don't know. But he, and, you know, to me, if he wants to be in this relationship, he's lost the ability to dictate how you know, how he's going to get help or not to get help, do it by himself, yeah. you know, and, give me a break, way, you know. And there is one more, and I really want to move on. So there's so many questions. Yeah. But one thing I don't see in here is how angry you are. I mean, I yeah. would be absolutely furious and think, and, and how did you allow 
me to be in this relationship with you without telling you any telling me anything you gave me no chance to live my life to pick my relationship to do what i felt was best for me because you lied to me all these years and so basically you took our lives and you decided what to do with it and you know i don't know if i got an std i don't know if i've got covid i you know by the way i do really recommend that you get an std test i think that's something that we don't always think about it's humiliating you know but Go ahead, Tammy. You're going to say no, something. I like the shame should not be on you. I mean, like it's and 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 I know that partners feel like I have to go get an STD test and I feel such an shame. And I like it was kind of a news flash to me when they shared that. But I was like, no, that you know, or that my husband's cheating on me, or that I even need to. But like, take ownership. This is my body, and I want it to be healthy. And I need information in order to be healthy. So, you know, if I can do anything to empower you to not feel shame about, you know, just getting tested. So. Um, okay, next question. I'm the spouse of an SAPA on my second D-Day six months ago. We've been married for 18 years. I wanted to ask you about your advice for spouses that have had to deal with the addict trauma of affair partners being brought into the home. Oh, Upon discovery, I found a graphic video of my husband on our couch with the affair partner. Turns out there have been at least 10 brought into our home and several times. I haven't come across the subject yet in any of the work I've been doing, and I feel it's important. I have, um, let's see, uh, your, uh, uh, I have to, the, your place of home ripped away from you. It feels like it's awful. It adds to the PTSD of the symptoms when you're picturing those things happening in your home. And we do a talk about this occasionally. And like, I, I, I think it's extra traumatic when it comes into your home, into your car. It's somebody, you know, you like, you like, you know, the, the best former best friend, you know, those I think absolutely do add to the layers of trauma. I'd be burning the couch um, outside the house, but yeah, there'd be a bonfire in the backyard. Well, I think in, there was a movie called Waiting to Exhale in the 90s where one of the women was being cheated on and she took every piece of clothing her husband had and she set them on fire in his car uh, and burned the car and all his clothes down. So why am I thinking about this? I have to think about why I'm thinking about this. And it's because that's what I would do. And I don't know that I'd break the law, but but I, I do want to talk about it. Yeah, you can well, burn your burn his couch in your, you can have a bonfire in the backyard, but anyway. Yeah, so. that's okay. Um, so anyway, I think this is one of the most difficult things that I hear spouses go through. And in some ways is unforgivable that you had sex with someone else in my bed, that you brought someone else into our home, that I can never look at that bed again without no less lie in it and not think about this. Um, and not to mention that, but did you bring anyone into our house who might have not been safe? Might they have taken down our address and looked at our stuff and said, I'll be back later with someone? So, and if you have children, they, he also didn't protect them um, from any. So this is, this is beyond just acting out. This is, a, a, this is a, a really, really troubled behavior. It is acting out, but this person, I mean, this is someone who should be in treatment. Um, they're going to lose. And by the way, I hope that you are... First of all, I, I've had spouses who sold the bed, didn't want to sleep in that bed anymore. I actually have had men say, I'm going to sell our house because my wife doesn't want to ever go in there again. Or we had sex in my car, I'm going to sell the car. You have a right. You use the word PTSD. I can't imagine I would walk into that house without just feeling all that yuck. So um, there really, again, isn't a question here exactly, I don't think. Um, there is no safety in your home anymore. Um, and how you're going to find your safe space is going to be something you're going to have to figure out. 
Um, but it's interesting because a lot of the women I work with are men will kick the person out and you can't because it's all around you, whether the person's there or not. So I'm not sure that you can move forward in this particular set of circumstances, whether it's burning the bed, kicking him out, selling the house. I don't know what your resources are, but uh, I would have trouble being there at all. So Tim. Well, and, you know, I've talked to, like, whether it's I'm completely repainting, you know, the, I mean, like, repaint new sheets. I mean, what I would, I would be redecorating and, you know, I mean, if, if it's possible to, you know, to move, that's all fine. But yeah, I mean, redecorating, it's like, you know, everything gets different, you know, so that there's a new visual for me and, you know, the bedroom might be bright pink, you know, just to, you know, I mean, whatever I needed to do. But for me, a lot of it is how can I start to feel empowered in a situation that is, has been out of my control. So, so doing some things that are for me and change things, um, uh, you know, at least is a step. And, and, but yeah, I mean, leaning into this stuff, i please join all the betrayed partner groups. Um, but I'm with Dr. Rob, you know, we have this great program seeking integrity. These are the kind of clients that, you know, absolutely a 50 minute session once a week with even the best therapist is, you know, I mean, you're looking at, you know, a 12 to 24 months to get a foundation, you know, but in the meantime, here you are hanging out there in the, you know, in the trauma. So. I, I also haven't heard, Tammy, and you are the one who mentioned that. What support do you have? Do you have a therapist? Do you have a group that you go to? You know, we run free groups for betrayed spouses, and you're welcome to drop at any time. Sex and relationship healing. Oops, yep. sex, sex and relationship healing. We have, a, I don't know, about 10 groups that release that we run weekly for spouses and other folks, older spouses, younger spouses, male spouses. Everybody gets a space. So um, I really think that if you're in a community of women who you won't be alone and this will have happened to some others. And I think it obviously doesn't make it better, but it takes this, the shame out of it. Cause you say, how could this have happened? What did I do? You know, how could I have this happen in my home? And then when you realize, Oh, it happened to those four other women too, it doesn't feel good for them, but there is a sense of I'm not alone. And so right. I really hope that you seek out support for your, Self. And if you write to TAMI, Tammy at seekingintegrity.com, that's a four letter word. Mm -hmm. um, Tammy is really, really, I think it's one of your missions to try to get um, the right kind of help to the right people. And we don't get kickbacks. What we get is the opportunity to refer to people that we really respect. So if you're looking for that kind of support, do write Tammy a note and we'll, we don't charge you. We will send you uh, a couple of therapists who are helpful. Who's someone had a question? You started saying no. Go ahead. About Let's the spouse's position on this. Can you elaborate? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I think we yeah. should keep going. Okay. Um, D-Day occurred May of 2021 when I discovered that my husband met with a swinging couple he had met online and had sex. He says this was the first time. In December of 2021, I found out he'd been watching porn our entire eight-year relationship, but I don't know the frequency extent of that. My husband started therapy with a CSAT in October of 2021 um, and has been going twice a month since then no other group or 12-step work that i'm aware of oh my gosh okay <sighs> while i do recognize that he is making more effort to talk about feelings through a daily check-in is more helpful around the house and with kids and doesn't just freeze and shut down when i get triggered i still don't feel like he is in a strong recovery he recently took a sass from his therapist and scored a five but says he is not concerned about 
his sexual behavior and states that CSAT told him she doesn't believe he is an addict, has an addiction problem. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's in denial about himself. What else should I be seeing in terms of recovery to indicate strong recovery work? Well, just a quick comment, because I've worked with enough addicts to know this and been a therapist for enough uh, to know this. I saw um, he states that his therapist told him that he doesn't, she doesn't believe he has a sex addiction problem. Did you hear that from the therapist? <laughs> or is that what he told you? Because it's not infrequent for the, the men and women I work to say, oh, my therapist insisted on this and they told me not to do this. And, and they're lying. You know, they're simply lying. And so if it makes me look good, if it makes me, if it makes you think that I'm doing the best I can, if it makes you think that I've been reassured that the way I'm going is I'm going to lie to you. And this man is already lying to you because trust me, you didn't know about the porn. You didn't know about the, uh, the, uh, was it the sex workers or porn? And there's something else. So, uh, uh yeah, there was, um, oh, the swinging, the swinging couple. Yeah. The yeah. Swinging couple. Trust me. Yeah. He's lying to you. There is absolutely no question in my mind that whatever he's done, multiply it by five and then think about what's happened. I mean, if I could lie to you about the deepest and most intimate parts of our relationship for years and years and years, it's pretty easy for me to lie to you about, no, I never did that. And besides, that's our, our goal is to shut you up. You know, we want you to just go in a box and leave us alone. And so, you know, it's really much easier to do that if we say, well, I didn't do that, and I didn't do that, and I didn't do it. And by the way, my therapist says I'm supposed to do it this way. By the way, Tammy will probably throw a rock at him if she could see him because- Oh, yeah. You know, like, this is one of those ahead. I'm I'm making on my hair because I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right. So first of all, this ass is a quick screen. Like, there's a there's a hundreds of questions, you know, online assessment that his therapist can give him in addition to, there's a bunch of things, and he should have in my opinion, all of those, because this sounds so minimized because he doesn't really think that his sexual behavior is a problem. There's way more complex stuff. Seeing his therapist twice a month and he's not doing anything else. He's not in recovery. He's maybe abstinent, maybe. And I'm like, that's being, yeah, that's being generous because he, you know, like, oh, am I like, oh my gosh, minimize, minimize, minimize. I hope you you don't mention it, but I hope you have a pro-dependent aligned support therapist to work with to support you because this is a hot mess. And um, <laughs> I would not believe him when he tells what his therapist is. It would be great to to connect, have a session, you know, conjoint with your with his therapist with you and say, here's what I'm seeing, here's what I'm not seeing, you know, and he says this and all of that. So just to get some validation from his you know therapist about that. But there are, and, and I don't know, I don't know what CSAT he's working with. I'm not saying anything negative about the CSAT. He may be going out, oh, I can only see my CSAT twice a, you know, twice a month. I'd be going like twice a week, maybe, and doing group and a whole bunch of other things. He is not in recovery. Again, he may have stopped the, some of the problematic behavior and he may be showing up a little bit differently. Um, but I, that feels highly manipulative to me too, that like, I want you off my back, so yeah, I see this whole part about making an effort, daily check-ins, more helpful around the house as a, you won't bug me anymore or really bother me if I'm really showing up for this family. Because how did he learn what he's supposed to do? I mean, my clients, especially in treatment, 
they turn to me and they say, I have no idea how absent I've been through from my home and from my kids and my spouse. And they're weeping about this because they are in touch with what they've done. I mean, that's part of our job to get them there. But this person that your husband, I just don't think he were, he just, he knows how to shut you up and he's doing a good job of it. And that's really what you're saying here is my husband's shutting me up. And I don't know if he's right by doing that or whether I'm right. You're right. Um, yeah. The question is, how do you take, and I didn't see here, Tammy, how is she, I think it's she, taking care of herself? Again, I didn't yeah, see Yeah, I didn't anything. hear any of that either, other than being here, which is, you know, this is one little piece of it. But, you know, we, we have, and, and Dr. Rob mentioned too, on, on the sexandrelationshiphealing.com site, we have drop-in groups and other webinars, and we've got podcasts, and all those are supportive, you know, resources, and those are helpful. But you working with a qualified professional for you, again, from a pro-dependent lens, if you don't know what that means, there's a book Dr. Rob wrote about it, and there's podcasts. Um, but, it, you know, it's not about, you know, you're not codependent, you're not enmeshed, you're not in enabler you know he's got a problem nothing you did or didn't do would have changed that he chose you know those behaviors in active addiction you know we don't we have compulsions and we don't feel like we have choices but in recovery and that isn't so absent i always say abstinence is stopping the behavior you know might be white knuckling it we don't have any clues sobriety is i'm starting to get a clue recovery is i'm really showing up differently i'm taking responsibility i'm leaning into the relationship i'm looking to do things you know i want you to feel safe you know and my behavior will show that and i don't hear any of that so okay ready by the way there's one more thing Sure. Uh, you said he took a SAST, which as Tammy said, is like a 20. It's sort of like a, a SAST is something you'd see in Vogue. You know, it's like a questionnaire yeah. and, you know, like that really. But by the way, Tammy, you mentioned the like 100 question, couple hundred question tests. And hundreds of questions. Yeah. I have no doubt that he took it. You know, I he would just never say do that he took it. I have a doubt. I, a lot of therapists don't you know, like, like and, and, and then you have a lack of information because, oh, like I have to just share this quickly. Right now, the record <laughs> is 11 years of how long a client lied to a therapist. I'm sure somebody can break that. I, but it's really sad when a client keeps going to their therapist and lies to their therapist ongoing, but they get to check off the box with their spouse. Look, and I hear from the partners, you know, he's really trying, he's working with his therapist. And I'm like, no, he's checking off a box, you know? So, so it's complicated. None of this is easy stuff. And there's a lot of support and resources, um, but it, but it's a journey and he's still, I mean, I feel like really, yeah, really manipulative. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.